0: Eagles Entertainment. Welcome Eagles everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. We're midway through the month of July. I can tell you here in South Philadelphia, the practice fields are green and lush. The signage going up. Training camp less than two weeks away. And aren't we all just so excited to see what the Eagles are all about in 2022 after just a stellar offseason. A playoff appearance last year the second season under head coach nick sirianni all these new players oh 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 cannot wait for the season to start today in our eagles insider podcast presented by lincoln financial group we're gonna have a conversation with a former eagle who i really like he's the model for what a player does in and after his Eagles career. Ron Jaworski came to Philadelphia in 1977, the second year under then head coach Dick Vermeil, Acquired in a trade with the Los Angeles Rams, Jaworski played 10 years in Philadelphia, setting seven passing records, including career marks for completions, touchdowns, and passing yards. He led the Eagles to the NFC title in 1980, and um, he also... Well, a tough game against the Raiders in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 15, But he earned a Pro Bowl selection and was named the NFL Player of the Year by the now defunct United Press International and the Maxwell Football Club. Jaworski, known for his toughness, 116 consecutive starts in Philadelphia. And all of that is really impressive. But there's a generation who listen to podcasts, Who don't remember Ron Jaworski at all as a quarterback. You know him now as a presence in Philadelphia and someone who's been around the NFL game for decades as one of the leading voices. He stayed in Philadelphia after his career was over. A 17-year NFL career that took him to Kansas City, Miami. He could have easily retired there. Instead, he raised his family in Philadelphia. He stayed local. He stayed true to Philly, and it has paid off in a big big way. To me, Ron Jaworski represents everything a player should be on and off the field during his career and certainly everything a player should be when his playing career is over. So let's do it right here on the Eagles Insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. One-on-one with former Eagles quarterback Ron Jaworski. Josh, you've been you're a star football player. A lot of guys they finish their careers and they they walk. They leave Philadelphia. You stayed. why did you stay?
1: The people. You know, um, I played in Philly for 10 years. And I went to Miami for a couple years, backed up Dan Marino, went to Kansas City for a year. So I was, uh, from my time ending my playing career in Philly, I was in other cities. And yet we still maintained the Philadelphia region as our home. And basically because of the people. You know, my, my, my kids uh, were in a great school system. We we're in Voorhees, New Jersey. Eastern High School. They got a great education. They made great friends. Um, I had started businesses here during my playing days, you know, in the golf business. Um, but it, it, at the end of the day, it was just it, I was comfortable. My wife was comfortable, My kids were comfortable in this in this area. So it it really wasn't a difficult decision. I didn't see it as doing anything different.
0: You know, that this was this was our home. During your career, did did you? And I guess it's kind of a lesson to anybody who plays. Did you shake every hand and kiss every baby and and really invest in the in the community and the business leaders and maybe think, it's great to know a lot of people here because I'm not going to be playing football forever? Absolutely. Um, I learned one
1: thing early in my career. The NFL career is short. Uh, and for some reason, that resonated with me. Uh, when I came to the league, I think the average career was 3.3 years. It's still somewhere around that number. It's under four. So... When that resonated with me, I could think, "Man, I better make sure I make all the contacts, collect all the business cards I can, get to know as many prominent business people you know that I can, in case I need them. Maybe I'll be looking for a job someday based on, you know, the average." Now, fortunately, I was lucky enough to play 17 years in the NFL, uh, but, but. I really knew that hey, it could end the next play. The next time I'm hit by Lawrence Taylor or Randy White or Too Tall Jones or any of those great players, or any players, as a matter of fact, on the defensive side, my career could be over. Did you feel like a hero playing in Philadelphia? Because I know it was not always easy. No, I never, I never felt that at all. I, I'm not sure how many people do feel that way. I think it, uh, it was a job, uh, and it was a great job. You know, Being the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles for 10 years, it a great job. But uh, with it come responsibilities. You know, do the right thing. Be involved in the community. Be involved in charitable endeavors. Give back to the community. You represent not only yourself, but your family, your community, your city, your state. So do the right thing. If there's one thing I always learn, it's do the right thing. Now, hey, if I made mistakes? Certainly we all make mistakes. But in the back of my mind, I always wanted to do the right thing.
0: So what's the lesson, Jaws, for players who are in Philly, who are in the NFL? Um, should they... Should they shake every hand? Should they kiss every baby? Yeah,
1: yeah, I I, I really do. And not, not everybody has the personality to do that. You know, I'm more of an effervescent, outgoing kind of guy. My emotions are you know are on my sleeve. I mean that that's who I am. Not everyone is like me, um, but I you know I I see a lot of guys even that maybe maybe not the same emotional guy I have mean, had great success in this community a lot of my teammates from my Harold Carmichael who's still little so much in this community is all famer now I see Mike quick and guys that I played with are doing great in the community and um, those are my guys you know so maybe maybe I maybe I taught them something you know to give back to be effervescent to get along with people but but you know I, I see now a Jason Kelsey you know a Brandon Graham I mean these guys get it they get it you know they're great players I mean both you know, they'll be Eagle Hall of Famer someday. Who knows NFL Hall of Fame? That's a, a higher higher climb. But I see these guys, and, and they've realized, you know, they've had great success as a player and great success in this community. And when you see them, you know why? They interact with the people. People love to be around those guys.
0: What were your early business ventures? What were you first interested in? Golf courses. Always? Yeah. Why? It, it, How?
1: It, 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 it's interesting because I, I started playing golf when I was nine years old at a small nine-hole golf course outside of Buffalo called South Park Golf Club. And, uh, you know, I came from a, from a family that didn't have a whole lot of money, so uh, uh, I would start on the second hole because I would avoid paying. So I would – a couple of my buddies would sneak out the second hole and try to squeeze a few holes in, and I just kind of fell in love with the game of golf. Uh, and that kind of set me up as I made a few dollars playing the game, and I got in the golf business. But I I, I really thought – it was a relaxing part of my life when I was playing. I would take Tuesday off. That's our day off, you know. When I was playing for the Eagles, and I loved to go golf. And in fact, I, you know, I brought my quick Randall Cunningham. A lot of guys, you know, I indoctrinated them into the game of golf. And Tuesday, which is good to get away from the fans, the media. Thousand questions about the game. The opponent was like, "Let's go play golf, man." The only, thing, the only thing we're gonna hear are crickets or birds in the in the trees, you know. And that's it was just great. It, it it was relaxing. It was calm, and it got me ready for Wednesday, going back to practice and get back in that meat grinder that we were in as players. So, um, I just loved that part of the golf, and, and I, I like people. I get I get along with. I get along with everybody for the most part. And, you know, if you're in the golf business, you're running into a couple hundred people a day. I'm at the golf course. I'm in Seven Tap Tavern having a beer. We're watching games, whatever it may be. Um, and I think people that are around the game of golf are normally good-natured people. So I, I, I find it very reinforcing that I'm around people that are that are kind of like me.
0: But how do you get into it? How, how did you invest in the game of golf other than playing and being a great guy? Well, first of all, John Bunning, one of my teammates, and
1: I uh, leased a club called the Abedin Club up in Jenkentown. That was my first indoctrination. It was a nine-hole golf course and more of a health facility with uh, you know, swimming pools and uh, racquetball courts, that sort of thing. And uh, my partner, there was a gentleman named Hugh Riley who ran the golf course. And I learned the golf business from Hugh Riley. And a few years later, an opportunity came up in South Jersey for a bankrupt golf course called Tall Pines, which I made the deal and renamed it Eagles Nest. Ha ha ha! Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right? Very clever. Very, very, yeah, we're very, very creative. For it, right? <laughs> and uh, it kind of it's I'm now. I now I put a million six dollars into the deal. You know, I bought a golf course, and that's when you learn, Dave. That's when you learn when your hard-earned dollars are involved. You know, you work hard at it. Now I was playing football at the time, so fortunately, I had a great wife, great family. You know, my sister. Now, now my son runs a golf company. So, it's kind of like we've gone, you know, the, the full length of the field. You know, I started it. We have seven golf clubs right now. Uh, my, and to see my son, who's thirty-six years old, uh, run the golf company, is, it, 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 I, it, I'm very thankful for that.
0: It's an empire, Jaws.
1: Well, I wouldn't call it an empire, but we're paying the bills. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um,
0: but I feel like it, if you didn't, if you didn't com- connect with people. As a player, this wouldn't have happened, right?
1: I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I like people, and you connect with people. And I think, I think people also see, you know, my foundation, which does great work in this community. You know, it's, it's our family foundation. We have a great staff. Uh, you know, Trish and Corinne run it the day to day, and you know, we've raised over six million dollars for kids in our community. And and that that's the one thing, Dave, that, that I've learned as a player in this city, and it really started with, with, with Leonard Toast when I came to Philadelphia. Uh, and he had, there was a, a clause in our contract. We had to make two personal appearances on behalf of the Eagles. Now, it, it was in the, guys would have done it anyway, but Leonard Tost made it clear to us that he felt it was important for us to be involved with in the fabric of this community. And uh, I had my golf tournament, first time, I've been running my golf tournament for like 38 years. The first tournament I have, Leonard Tost, 1984, donated a car. You know, and it's it, it's still I can still see the car. You know, and we had an auction. Someone bid like thirty four thousand dollars on the car, <laughs> so it, it was just so cool. And that that was kind of the start of my tournament. And it was a way to raise money, to get my my teammates involved, to get the community involved, to get sponsorship. And, and I'll say this about Philadelphia, man, the corporate community really does respond for those that people that are in need. And it, it, it I, I couldn't be happy with the response we've had. And you know, the celebrities that come out. I've had you know John Unitas. Tom Brady, Joe Theisman, Jim Kelly, Charles Barkley, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. They realize we're doing good things. They see the kids we're helping, and they come out and play golf and have fun.
0: It's a great tournament run that way as well. Um, You've also been a Titan through your life in the media. How would that start?
1: Being an Eagles quarterback, because you're you're dealing with uh, the media every day, answering a lot of questions. Um, Not that I enjoyed that part of it, but you learned how to do it. Was the media tough?
0: On you or with you or at times, for you?
1: At times, you, you, you learn how to deal with it. There are some guys that have a always have an edge, and some guys just want you know the true story. There are some guys that favor one or the other. But uh, I, you know, I, I got along. I tried to get along with everybody. I would say I did. I really didn't have any enemies in the, in the media. Still don't. Um, but I got hired by ESPN and NFL Films in 1990. It just culminated 30 years uh, of employment at ESPN and NFL Films. Um, But I got lucky, too, because I'm an X's and O's guy. And to be at NFL Films and have access to the game tape where no one else could get it helped me really formulate my opinions of players and games and teams. So that was a real advantage. I think the reason Steve Sable at the time the legendary Steve Sable hired me as I lived 20 minutes from NFL Films and my expenses were very low in travel. <laughs> so I, but I, I was very fortunate that NFL Films hired me, and in conjunction with ESPN, I did X's and O's. Not everyone loves to drill down X's and O's, look at the coach's tape and all that, but that's how, I, that's how I carved my niche, and it elevated me all the way up to doing five years of Monday Night Football with Tariqo and Gruden.
0: The, the game has changed a ton, right, since, oh, since right. the days you started? David, Where do you see the changes? Uh, in every I, every capacity, I,
1: I think the biggest change has come from the way the game is officiated. And I'm going to say that in a good way, because I think they've made the game safer. But by making the game safer, they've, they've changed the way the game is played and opened the game up. It is now a passing game. You know, you don't hear the defense wins championships anymore. You don't hear you got to run the football to win. You got to have a prolific passing game. Because I learned from my buddy Sid Gilman, a Hall of Famer, points come out of the passing game, and they do. A passing game and explosive plays are really where games are won and lost. Hey, I know you got to run the ball. I know you have to have defense. But what is the? I think the number one thing is you need our explosive plays out of the passing game. So now the rules where you can't bump a guy after five yards. You know the target area. You know is is very minimal right now. So the rules allow the quarterback to throw the football more efficiently and wide receivers to get open a lot more easily.
0: Is the game better
1: now? I think it is. I think it's. I think athletes are 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 so much better. So I see the guys now. And although in my era, there was a lot more working out at the stadium, working out with your teammates, the off season, I think guys overall, now have their personal trainers, their nutritionists, I think overall the player's in much better shape, much better condition.
0: You've seen the Philadelphia Eagles jaws through the years go through these metamorphoses of, of change. Coaches, a new yeah, yeah. owner. Um, where do you think this franchise stands right now?
1: Oh, I think it's ascending. Um, I think it was a very good off season. You know, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Jeffrey Lurie. Uh, Howie Rosen came through a really strong off season. Uh, there are a lot of lot of good things in place right now for the Philadelphia Eagles on the playing field. And I think it's an organization. You know, I, I think I think there's strong leadership right now. Uh, the coaching staff is young now. Did they make mistakes last year? Absolutely, they made mistakes, and a lot of those were the youth that was involved with that staff and the newness of working together. But as I look forward, I'm cautiously optimistic. The way this off season has gone, that this team's going to compete not only next year for a playoff spot, but for a long term. That's where Howie comes in. I I I, I see. I, I know Howie. I talk to Howie, and he's always had a vision to win. Now and win. For a long period of time a lot of teams see a window and they throw everything at that window say okay we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna win right now but then they don't win for five years and I think he's building the win now and have a run of a good five years
0: what makes Jeffrey a great owner
1: I think he treats everyone with respect and lets the people that are professionals of what they do do their job he has obviously uh oversight of everything uh he's creative um you know, when I was involved with the coaching search when we hired Doug Peterson, I, I, I got to really know Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman and, and Tom Donho and all that, that group a lot better. You know, Don Swalinski, and I know, I know how they think. But Jeffrey is the guy that sets the table. He sets the table. He has questions. Uh, he drills down and everything. Uh, and, you know, and, and follows his instincts. And I think that that's what good leadership is, and that's what a good owner does.
0: He seems awfully rational. I mean, he is very rational, yeah. right? That that's not the way it is around the league. Um, he seems very calm. Now I don't know what's going <laughs> you know, during games.
1: Uh, I don't, he looks calm when he put the camera on him, but um, but my conversation with him, and we do play golf together too, which is always a nice thing. So we have uh, much more cordial conversation hmm. when we're playing golf, and he's a pretty good player, by the way. Uh, but he. he the, the calmness is important because the calmness usually shows clarity. And so when you're calm,
0: you can normally be clear. Last one, Jaws. Uh, can't let you go without asking about Jalen Hurts and what he has shown you, what he has around him this year, what you expect from him.
1: Yeah, I think he's a very talented guy. Um, does he have flaws? Yes, and he's got to improve, improve on those flaws. That's no different than any quarterback in this league. He's really coming into his third year, his second year as a starter. He's got weapons around him. He's got a solid offensive line. The receiving core is going to be one of the best in the NFL. There's balance in the running attack. Uh, you know, I speak offensive line forever. So, so all, the, all the components that a quarterback needs really are at his disposal right now. It, it, there's a positive and there's a negative to running. And the positive is it holds the defense accountable, and he is a really good runner with great running instincts. But long term, I think a quarterback has to play from the pocket first and go through his progression, and take the running opportunity as a last opportunity. And I think that will come with experience. He's probably still a little bit slow twitch in, in reading coverage on his drop. I'm a big believer, and I've been around Hall of Fame coaches and coaches that won over a 1,000 games. you got to decide by the time that back foot hits the ground where you're going with the football. Jalen has a tendency to hit that back foot and wait. By that time, it's sometimes too late. So, But I know the coaches are working on that. He's a hard-working kid. He comes from a football family. His dad's a football coach. He knows what it's like to be coached hard and disciplined. So you know, I, 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 think, I think the ceiling's very high for Jalen Hurts, but he's got to get it done on the field.
0: Charles, thank you so much. You got it. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. And now it is time for this week's Extra Point. And the Extra Point is a reminder to all Eagles fans that, It's going to be really hard to see the Eagles in person this summer, but we are inviting all of you to attend our only public practice of the summer. The Eagles will spend a couple of weeks away from Philadelphia training with the Cleveland Browns, training with the Miami Dolphins. But on August 7th at Lincoln Financial Field, 7 o'clock, the team's only public practice is available to everyone for the cost of just $10.00. The proceeds of which go to the Eagles Autism Foundation. We invite you to come and watch the Eagles as they practice at Lincoln Financial Field, and it will be great entertainment. Your chance to see new Eagles wide receiver A.J. Brown, number one draft pick Jordan Davis, third round pick linebacker Nicobe Dean. How about cornerback James Bradbury? Oh, just so many new faces. How about, you know, a team that let off free agency by signing Hassan Reddick, who comes back to the Philadelphia area after being raised in South Jersey. Yes, this is your chance. So in this week's Extra Point, the message is this. Come on out and watch the Eagles in their lone public practice of the year, August 7th, 7 p.m. at Lincoln Financial Field. Tickets just $10, and those proceeds going to Eagles Autism Foundation. For more information... Go to philadelphiaeagles.com slash public practice. We thank you for listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks to the Eagles Media Relations Department, to Ray Doyle for all of their work setting things up and Peter Kelly for making things come together. Thanks to all of you for joining each and every episode. If you have a moment to give us a review, we love those five-star ratings. Jeffrey Laurie does pay attention. We include a link in the details section of your podcast library. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining everyone. Back next week with the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles for his 46th season, Merrill Reese joins the podcast. Thanks again, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. Fly, Eagles, fly. And go birds! E-A-T-L-E-S, eagles Eagles!